Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from here, Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. A young, a new preacher on the scene, but not new to me, 35 years she's been in this sanctuary being taught by me, the Spirit of God, and been through Water of Life Christian Training School. Thank God. Now she is absolutely one of the best gospel preachers I've ever heard. Kathy Davidson, I'm having a seat. One of the first things I remember coming here was dual ministering Psalm 119-105. The Word of God is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. I have a beautiful illustration of that. My, my grandparents grew up in southwestern Pennsylvania, and it was back in the woods. They lived in the hills. And to walk from where we would park our car to the house was about 75 yards. And you had to go through, if you went to the house to the barn, which is where the cars were, you would have to go out the house. You'd have to travel about oh, 20, 20 yards. Then you went down a steep incline that had rocks on it. And then you had to cross over a kind of a land bridge. And then you had to go through the woods, turn, turn to the left. And you, had, you got to see all the raccoon eyes up in the trees. And then you would go up this little hill and then you'd be at your car. Well, this is grandma and grandpa's house. There were no lights out in this, this place. So it was my job. They gave it to me. We would go, we would leave grandma's at night. You know, because in the wintertime in Ohio, it was, or in Pennsylvania, it would turn dark at like 4 o'clock. So for us to walk from the house to the car, there would be about six of us walking down to the car. Well, guess who they gave the flashlight to? It was always me. And I led the group with a flashlight. Because we had to see exactly where we were stepping. So that flashlight of mine was always down here toward the ground. And actually, my grandmother would always carry one too. Because this six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, oh, look at that raccoon. And then we would lose our path. So I know exactly what dual means. When the word of God is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path, that means you've got to keep the flashlight down in front of you. And I would know exactly where to walk, and everybody behind me knew where to walk. And if you got the flashlight off of the path, God knows what you would end up with or uh, end up in. There were critters everywhere. So that's my illustration. Now, if you will turn with me to Acts 17, I want to read a verse to you. We have been talking about how Jesus walked in 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to finish there tonight. But Acts 17, 31 says, Because the Father has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. There, God has appointed a day. He will judge the world in righteousness. Look at that next phrase. By that man whom he has ordained. By that man whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men in that he has raised him from the dead. Who are they talking about? They're talking about Jesus. And God, it says... Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. Look at those next two words, or three, by that man. By that man. Do you realize that Jesus is the standard of measure that you're going to be compared to? Jesus, 
by that man that he ordained. So when you go in front of God at that great right throne judgment, guess who you're going to be compared to? You're going to be compared to Jesus, and we're going to see how far you measure up to him. Did you know that? That's what that verse says. You are going to be judged by that man. There's your standard of measure. We got a little bit of work to do, don't we? Now, let's see how Jesus walked in 1 Corinthians 13, because Jesus did walk in it. He was the word. I'm going to begin in verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So that means if you speak in tongues, but you don't do it in love, then you are a lot of noise. And it says, verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. You hear that, Harvard? And though I have all faith so I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. 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 Look at that next verse. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. So now you have no money and you're nothing. Now you are burnt to a crisp and you didn't get anything for it. Now, turn with me to 1 John 4. If you didn't do this in love, then you lose out. You lose everything. 1 uh, John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. Did you know that? That's where love comes from. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Now, how do we love? That's the question. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Did you see that? God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to die in our place, to go, uh, to go to hell, to be raised from the dead, so we could live through him. How do we live through him? Well, one, he's our example. He's our measure. We got to measure up to this guy. We have to measure up to Jesus. Now, verse, uh, verse 11, beloved, if God so love us, we ought to also love one another. Beautiful verse. We hear that all the time. I heard that all the time in the churches I was in. Beloved, if God so loved us, then we ought to love one another. How do we love one another? Next column, chapter 5, verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Do you see how those two verses go together? They go together. They walk together. How do we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments? The next verse, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. How many times I heard in the church I grew up in, oh, how I love God with all my heart. Really? Are you keeping God's commandments? One of the first one, given it shall be given. Oh, well, that's not a commandment from God. Really? Gotcha. All right. Turn, to, turn back to 1 Corinthians 13. 
We are going to be, I left off in verse 5. We're going to go there now. Does not behave himself unseemly. That's, a, that's it, uh, charity. Now, seek it not around. This next part. Is not easily provoked. Is not easily provoked. You know what that means in the NIV? It says, is not easily angered. Takes a lot to get them upset. Turn with me to Matthew 27. We are going to see an example of how Jesus was not easily provoked. Why are we going over all these examples that Jesus walked in? Because we got to measure up to the guy. Because he is our example. Because we walk like he does. Look at what happens here. I love this. It says, and Jesus stood before the governor. Jesus is before Pilate. He's getting ready to go to the cross, and he knows it. He knows it. He's already uh, been arrested. He said, and Jesus stood before the governor, Pilate. And the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. He answered nothing. He was lied about. He was accused. They said they vehemently accused him. They're screaming at this guy. And he answers them nothing. Nothing. Why? He only did what the Father told him to do. He only said what the Father told him to say. And if the Father doesn't tell you what to say, you don't say anything. Jesus answered him nothing. Then Pilate said unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against him? And he answered him never a word. Insomuch the governor marveled greatly. It says in one thing that the, the chief priest vehemently accused him and the scribes. And Jesus didn't answer a word. He didn't answer a word. He was walking in love. He was walking in love. How do you know that? He was keeping the commandment of his father. Next one. It says, I'm just going to read it from here. Verse 6 in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, rejoices not in iniquity. Turn with me to Luke 19. Oh, I'm sorry. Thinketh no evil. I'm sorry. Thinketh no evil. That's the end of verse 5. Thinketh no evil. The NIV says, keeps no record of wrong. Keeps no record of wrong. Thinketh not evil. The word thinketh in the Strong's means to, to uh, take account of. Now, turn with me to Luke 22. This is beautiful. Jesus is getting ready to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter's talking to him. And he said, um, Lord, I'm, uh, Peter said, I'm ready to go with thee both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell thee, Peter. The cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Now, switch over to me to verse 61. Peter did that. He denied Jesus three times. He denied the Messiah three times. Jesus is in front of Pilate. Jesus is being beaten. Jesus is being scourged. Jesus is being spit upon, and Peter denies him. In fact, in Matthew, it says that when they, they went to Peter and they said, you were with Jesus, and it says he cursed and he swore, and he said, I never knew the man. That was Peter, his right-hand man denying him, right there when, when Pilate is getting ready to send him to the cross. Now turn to verse 61 there in Luke 22. Can you imagine? You have just denied your 
Messiah three times. The cock crows. And look at verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. He turned and looked at Peter. He knew exactly what had happened. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said unto him before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. The um, 1 Corinthians 5 says, thinketh no evil, doesn't keep record of wrongs. You know what? Jesus didn't get rid of Peter. He didn't get rid of Peter. Three times Peter denied him. His right-hand man, the one he said, Peter, upon this pebble, upon me, I'm going to build the church, and you're a pebble of it. You know what? He didn't get rid of Peter. He didn't get rid of Peter. You know what happened to Peter? Peter became the apostle to the Jews, and he was the first one to preach to the Gentiles. Jesus didn't get rid of him. Why? Because 1 Corinthians says, when you walk in love, you don't take account of the wrongs. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You know what? That's how God deals with us. But the way that Jesus walked in 1 Corinthians 13 is the same way he deals with us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't that a blessing to know? Now we can go to rejoice is not iniquity and Luke 19. Verse 41. Rejoices not in iniquity. This is what love does. It does not rejoice in iniquity. Verse 41 of Luke 19. And when he was come near, Jesus. This is after he came uh, down on the donkey. After he came into the city. It says, and when he came near, he beheld the city of Jerusalem. And look what he did. He wept over it. He wept over it. He's, that city is getting ready to crucify him. That city is getting ready to send him to hell on the cross. That city is getting ready to arrest him. And what does Jesus do? He beheld the city and wept over it. And what did he say? If thou had known, even this, and the least this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee with thine enemies, shall cast a trench about thee, compass thee around, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay even, even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knew not the time of thy visitation. He knew of their iniquity, but he wept over it. He wept over it. You know, those very words came to pass about 70 years later, and you know where it ended up? Masada. Masada. All right, next part of verse 6. He rejoices not iniquity, but he rejoices in the truth. Turn with me to Luke 10. We're going to see Jesus doing a little bit of rejoicing. Verse 21. Actually, let's start in verse 19. Behold, Jesus is speaking, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. You know he's talking to you too? And it says, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Not with understanding, in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you. Did you know that all evil spirits are subject to us through Jesus? Have you ever considered that? All of them. Even the ones that chew on you. It said, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And then he goes on and he says, in that, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced. In spirit. One version says he danced. He was happy. He rejoiced. Do you ever 
think that Jesus was so happy that he actually danced? He was actually rejoicing? It says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things, including, we have power over all the power of the enemy, hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes. Hid them from the wise and prudent. So you're wise and prudent, huh? And, and, and it says, and has to reveal them unto babes. You know what a babe is in this case? You look it up, it means unskilled and untaught. Unskilled and untaught. The humble, the childlike. Jesus said, you must become like a little child. That's what he was talking about. All right. Now, let's go to verse 7 in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And let's, we have an example of that. Jesus talks about it in Luke 18. And I'm going to begin in verse 31. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. That is love. And what's the example? Jesus speaks about it in verse 31. And then he took unto him the 12 and he said unto them, behold, we go up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the son of man shall be accomplished. And he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and he shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spit upon and they shall scourge him and they'll put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. Can you see any greater example than love, than Jesus enduring the cross, Jesus bearing our sin, Jesus walking to the cross in obedience to the Father, bearing your sin and my sin, taking it on himself when he had none. The man had never sinned, didn't even know what it felt like, but he took ours. He bore it. On his own body and in his soul, unsoul. Like I said before, Jesus didn't carry our sins in a suitcase. They became part of him. He that knew no sin became sin. And for the first time, he felt what sin was like. He felt it all. He had to carry it all. And he bore it and he endured it and he went to hell for it. And he paid for it. And he was raised again the third day. Is there any greater example of love than that? Is there any greater? And what's he tell us? He said, greater love has no man than this. Then you lay down your life for your friends. You know, I told Doyle recently, when I grew up, I always thought that men... Uh, that meant giving your life for something, giving your life from somebody, dying for somebody. But that's not near the death that it is to lay down your life, all the flesh. It's much harder. It's easy. Oh, just kill me for this person. But to lay down your flesh, you die a slow death. It's a slow, torturous death. And that's the death that that Jesus is referring to us of. Greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life, get rid of all the flesh, get rid of everything for his friends, for his friends. Now, let's go back and finish 1 Corinthians. There's one more we're going to look at. 
Verse 8, charity never fails. Love never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. I heard this from when I was about 10 years old and older. We don't have tongues now because prophecy has ceased and tongues have ceased and knowledge has ceased. All right, go with me to Matthew 24. Let's see what Jesus says about that. 24 verse 3. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. And then he goes and talks about the end times. He talks about the end of the world. He prophesies what's going to happen. Now tell me something. Has that failed? Has that scripture failed? Is that scripture ceased to be when it talks about two will be in the field, the one taken and the other left? Has that failed? Has that ceased to be? No. Well, then tongues haven't either. Knowledge hasn't either. Have we gotten dumb? Have we gotten stupid? If knowledge has ceased, are we that stupid? I'm an ex-teacher. I told my class one day, have you taken stupid pills? No, it hasn't. Tongues haven't ceased either. And Jesus proved it by prophesying of the end times. Now, let's finish the, let's finish the chapter. When I was a, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am also known. And now abideth faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these, the greatest of these is love. What is love? That you keep the Father's commandments. What is the greatest? That you keep the Father's commandments. That is is love. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, care of Water of Life Church, post office box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.